Life is full of interruptions. Whether big or small, we've all experienced disruptions to our rhythm of life from time to time. It might be difficult to see at first, but what if those interruptions set our lives on a new path? A new way of living, a new way of loving and leading. No matter what circumstances you face, God uses life's interruptions to bring about unexpected purpose and blessings. A life interrupted should be a life embraced, not escaped. What the world sees as defeat, we see as opportunity. For God makes all things work together for the good of those who love Him. So hey, family, we love being with you today. Thank you, Sugar Creek family and friends for connecting with us today. My name is Juan Carlos Heredia, and I'm honored to be with you. I'm also really excited that next week, Pastor Mark will be back, and he's going to be kicking off a brand new series called Hope at the End of Your Rope. You definitely don't want to miss it. So today we come to this conclusion of the series, Life Interrupted. And for the past three weeks, we've been exploring this idea that life's interruptions can be God's um, intervention for our redirection. And during the first week, Pastor Liban Abraham challenged us to embrace interruptions because in the end, we know that God's plans will prevail even when ours fail. Also, Pastor Liban told us about how God is taking us not to a new normal, but to something better than normal. And then last week, Pastor Tim Homa, he explained how spiritual disciplines work in order to help us prepare for those life interruptions. So today, what we're going to do is we're going to focus on what we need in order to make sure that our next life interruption will be a successful life interruption. So here's the thing that as we're looking at this, as we're looking at life redirections, one of the things that uh, we know about it, and this is something that probably all of us would agree on, is this, that few things are harder than a life uh, redirection. Few things are harder than a life redirection, right? We, we all know this. Um, we have our plans, we, we have our goals, uh, we set out that dream, and then all of a sudden, everything comes crashing down. We realize that that dream that we've worked for, that maybe you've worked for for a long time, will never happen. And that pain, that pain can be overwhelming. So when we go through something like that, it's no surprise that so many people are unable to overcome that pain uh, as they're going through a life uh, redirection. And so one of the things that we need to understand as we go through this is that there's several reasons why a life redirection is so hard. Uh, the first one is this, a life redirection is hard because of the pain of our loss. First reason why is because of the pain of our loss. There's many reasons, but this is probably the main reason why we struggle so much when it comes to a life redirection. When we go through this redirection and our plan, our purpose, our dream is something that we realize that the door is shut, sealed shut, and we will never obtain it, that moment can be excruciating for us. That's why 
So many people are unable to recover from that as they're going through a life redirection. And as you're going through that, one of the things that is so painful for us is that we realize that it doesn't matter how much money we have, it doesn't matter how smart we are, it doesn't matter how long we've been a follower of Christ, we struggle with dealing with that and even it doesn't matter how famous we are. Uh, recently, uh, the famous singer Carrie Underwood she opened up very candidly about a difficult time in her life in which she suffered three miscarriages in a period of two years. I can't imagine going through something as painful as that. And in this interview, she talked about how this really rocked her spiritual life. This really affected her trust in God and the way that she saw God. And she said this in the interview. I had an honest conversation with God and I told him how I felt. I was hurt, I was a little angry, and of course you feel guilty for being mad at your creator. And I told him we needed something. We needed to have a baby or not ever because I couldn't keep going down that road anymore. See, we all understand it. For Carrie Underwood, it was the dream of expanding her family, but for you and me, it could be maybe the dream of getting married or having children. Maybe it's landing that dream job or getting into that prestigious school. Maybe it's establishing that successful business or maintaining the current one that you have. It's overcoming the health issues that you've been dealing with or the financial hardship. Or maybe it's just restoring a broken relationship that has hurt you to your core. Whatever it is, when you come to that moment of realization that it never will happen, it's one of the most painful things that we can go through. But it's not the only reason why a life redirection is so hard. There's a second reason as well. And it's also the opinion of others around us. The opinion of others around us. If it wasn't enough dealing with the pain of our loss, Having to deal with the words, criticism, judgment of other people that are around us makes it even harder, right? We've all experienced this. Even the most faithful Christians, the most committed Christians at times can say the cruelest things. And it's almost as though as we're dealing with our pain, it's like a scab that's beginning to heal. And then all of a sudden when someone says something, it's just like, it's yanked off once again. That's why it's no surprise that as people go through a painful life redirection, they tend to isolate because they don't wanna have to deal with the opinion of others around them. So when we're going through something like this, when we're going through a painful life redirection, there's a tendency that all of us have. And the tendency is this, that when facing a life redirection, we choose or we look for a formula rather than faith. When facing a life redirection, we look for a formula rather than faith. That's something that all of us can have experienced at one point or another. That is, we're looking for a method to try to save our dream, our goal, our plan. And even those of us that are followers of Christ, we fall into the same mistake. 
We approach God and we say to him, Lord, I'm willing to do anything you want me to do. I'll pray more, I'll go to church more, I'll read my Bible more. Just give me this thing, this passion, this dream that I've had that I've been asking you for such a long time. And we'll go see uh, maybe a spiritual leader, we'll go see a pastor, we'll go see someone that we respect. And we ask them to give us the steps in order to make sure that we're gonna obtain what we want from God. We even go as far as trying to recruit as many people as possible to pray for our requests, somehow thinking that that's gonna force God's hand and he's gonna relent and give us what we've been asking him for. Now, please don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that we shouldn't pray, we shouldn't recruit other people, we shouldn't read the Bible or go to church. All those things are important. And just like we saw last week with spiritual disciplines, we should be practicing these things in our lives. But when they become a formula, when they become a method to try to guarantee an outcome, that's when it's wrong. See, a method, a formula, could never take the place of faith. And faith is trusting in God even when we don't get the outcome that we want. So, if that's the case, if this is something that we struggle with so much, the question then becomes, is there a way for us to make sure that the next redirection that we face will be a successful redirection? Is there a key for us that we can make sure we guarantee that as we face the next inevitable redirection that we're gonna come out moving forward in God's plan for our lives? And the good news is that the answer is yes. And today we're gonna look at a passage in scripture that will actually give us the key to a successful life redirection. And it's gonna come from Peter, the apostle of Jesus. And Peter, in a book that we know today as the letter of First Peter, he writes to us and he says this. Listen to what he says in First Peter chapter 5, the second part of verse 5. He says, All of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. So when Peter is writing this, he's He's giving this counsel to Christians as far as their relationships in the church. And specifically in this part, he's talking to young people as far as the attitude that they need to adopt in regards to those that are older than them. Now, this principle is not limited to young people that lived during the time of Peter or even just young people in our time. It's actually a principle that applies to all of us at all time. And the principle that Peter gives us is this, the key to a successful life redirection is humility. The key to a successful life redirection is humility. Now, some of you might be saying, okay, Juan Carlos, I was waiting for this. This is the typical religious thing that pastors love to say, humility, really? I don't know if you've been in quarantine too long, but out there in the real world, it's a dog eat dog type of world. You know, if I were to incorporate humility in my life, in my relationships at work, at other areas, people would walk all over me. No, what I've learned is that pride can help me be stronger and bolder to obtain the things that I know is important for me in life. And you know what? I get where you're coming from. 
But here's the thing. Peter is giving us this principle, not writing it from a monastery or from an ivory tower. He's sharing it from his own life experience. And the thing is that for Peter, he tried the whole pride thing and it didn't work for him. And the reality is this, it never works for any of us. Peter had said things and done things to hurt himself and other people because he allowed many times in his life for pride to direct him. And the problem was that even on one famous occasion, Jesus confronted Peter and told him, warned him that he would soon deny him. And Peter in his pride rejected this warning from Jesus only to end up humiliated by denying Jesus three times. See, that was an important life direction moment in the life of Peter. And he needed to decide if he was gonna continue to live his life led by pride or if he was gonna allow humility to help him down a different direction, a redirection. And Peter chose humility. So over the years, he grew in his humility. He learned what it meant to be humble. And amazingly, at the end of his life, history tells us that he was condemned to be crucified. And at that moment, he requested not that he be spared from that horrible death, but that he be granted to be crucified upside down because at that point, his humility had helped him understand that he was not even worthy of dying in the same way that Jesus had died. So, by the way, I'm not saying that humility is gonna lead you to be crucified. So please keep with me. What I am saying is that the principle that Peter lays before us regarding humility is a life-changing principle that we need to adopt in our lives. And the thing is that in reality, it's not a Peter principle, it's a God principle. And when we look at scripture, we see this principle all over the Bible. And in reality, we see it all over life. All of us have been able to witness the difference between pride and humility. And so, we're called to incorporate humility in our life. It is the key to a successful life redirection. Now, some of us might be thinking, why humility? Especially in the type of world where we live today, where we admire those that are, that are prideful, that are, that are forceful, and, and that are seeking admiration. Those are the type of people that we try to emulate. Is humility maybe old fashioned or is something that's not relevant for us today? And the reality is that it's not. Humility is super important. Let me give you a few reasons why this is the case. First one is, you know this, you've lived this in your own life journey. Humility builds, but pride destroys. Humility builds, but pride destroys. You've, you've seen this over and over again. I mean, how many times have you seen a person's life, a person's family, a person's relationships, a person's goal be completely destroyed because of their pride? In fact, how many times has that happened because of our own pride? The thing about pride is that it could bring a temporary satisfaction, but in the long run, it will always demand the same price, our destruction. Humility, on the other hand, 
will always build, it will always build not only our lives, but the lives of those that are around us. That's why one of the wisest men who ever lived, King Solomon, wrote in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 12, this incredible thought in regards to humility and pride. He says this, before destruction, a man's heart is haughty or prideful and humility comes before honor. Now, here's the thing. This is not a religious thing. This is a life thing. And what's amazing is that those that study human behavior in our time have come to realize the importance of having humility in their lives. I came across this article on the website Psychology Today by Dr. Michael Austin, who has studied the benefits of humility in a person's life. And listen to what he says in this article. I quote, interestingly, the empirical research on humility shows that this trait has great value. Humility has been linked with better academic performance, job performance, and excellence in leadership. Humble people have better social relationships, avoid deception in their social interactions, and they tend to be forgiving, grateful, and cooperative. A recent, study, a recent set of studies also shows that humility is a consistent predictor of generosity. People who are humble tend to be more generous with both their time and their money. See, what's amazing is that we're barely understanding how this principle has been set in motion by God ever since the beginning of mankind. We're corroborating barely today what God has been saying all along. But there's another reason why humility is important. And it's this, every, every first step, every life redirection begins with humility. Every life redirection begins with humility while every life misdirection begins with pride. Let me repeat that. Every life redirection begins with humility while every life misdirection begins with pride. And, and we know this, we can look back at our own life journey. And if we're honest enough and we retrace our steps and look at those decisions that haunt us, the decisions that we wish we can go back and we could change, when we go back to that first step, we'll always see that pride was involved at the beginning of it. And the contrary is true in regards to humility. When we go back and we look at the good decisions that we've made, Humility is always involved at the beginning of good decisions. Again, King Solomon, who understood human behavior, wrote about this in Proverbs 29, 23. And he says this, he says, a person's pride will humble him, but a humble spirit will gain honor. So every time we look back, pride will always take us the wrong direction. But when it comes to humility, humility will always take us in the right direction. Now there's another reason why humility is so important. And it's this, humility embraces God's authority. Humility embraces God's authority. Here's the thing, here's the dirty little secret about all of us. And that is that all of us desire to be an authority. We want to be the one that calls the shots. We want to be the boss. 
But when it comes to our relationship with God, authority can't be shared. Either we allow God to be an authority in our lives or God allows us to be an authority in our lives. But it's not something that we can both be in charge. That's why when we come to realize the effects of us being an authority has taken in our lives, we come to realize as well that it's God that has to be in authority. And the reality is that when we're in charge, our pride easily distorts our reality. It makes us think that we're always going in the right direction, but you know this, and I know this as well. In our experience, how many times have we made mistakes thinking that we were right because we felt that we were in authority? That's why I love how the British writer and thinker C.S. Lewis puts it way better than I could ever put it in mere Christianity. He says this in regards to the effect that pride has in a person's life, especially in regards to our relationship with God. He says this, as long as you are proud, you cannot know God. A proud man is always looking down on things and people. And, of course, as long as you are looking down, you cannot see something that is above you. See, pride will distort the way that we look at life, but it will also distort the way that we look at God. Now, at this point, some of you might be saying, well, you know, Juan Carlos, for a minute there, you had me. I was thinking about incorporating um, humbleness, humility in my life. It's something that probably I need. But now you're saying that this is going to help us with God's authority. And I have an issue with this because it's easy for God to say to everyone to be humble because he's the one that's in charge, right? When you're the one in charge, it's, it's so easy to say to everyone else, you need to be humble. But if we think along those lines, in actuality, we've missed the point because the incredible thing about God is that God is the only one that deserves all of the praise and all of the honor and all of the glory. And Jesus, the name of Jesus is one that makes demons flee and angels bow down and praise him. And yet scripture tells us that Jesus willingly submitted and he became humble. In fact, I love how the Apostle Paul says this in one of my favorite passages in Philippians chapter two, verses five through eight, how he describes the humility of Jesus. It says this, adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus, who existing in the form of God did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited or taken advantage of. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form, not simply of a human being, but of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on a cross. So here's the thing. Jesus, who is God, who is the only one deserving of all of the praise, all of the honor, all of the glory, was willing to become humble. So if an all-powerful God considers humility a trait worthy of having, what excuse could we possibly have to reject humility in our own lives? So this leads us to the last question. 
And the last question is this, if humility is so important, it's gonna help us be successful in life redirections that we face, then how do we develop humility? Because the reality is this, if we're honest, none of us wanna be humble. It's not something that comes natural to us. We all struggle with humility. But for that, we go back to Peter. And Peter is going to give us three practical principles, three things that we can start doing today that's going to help us acquire humility in our own life. And listen to what he continues to say in 1 Peter 5, now in verse um, 6 and forward. He says this, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that he may exalt you at the proper time. So this is what Peter does. First thing he tells us is that he highlights this, these two things and he gives us a principle. And the principle is this, trust God's mighty power and perfect timing. Trust God's mighty power and perfect timing. So the first thing as far as uh, he talks about mighty power. He uses this imagery of God's mighty hand that consistently appears in scripture. And for us, it's really hard to understand when it comes to God's mighty power because so many times we find ourselves in impossible situations and in, in, in places and in times where we say, there's nothing I can do about this. No one can help me overcome this that I'm facing. But impossible is never a word that appears in God's dictionary. God can do anything. He is all powerful. He is all loving. He can accomplish anything he desires. It's this power that allowed him to create a universe out of nothing and sustain it. It's the same power that allowed him to become a human being without ceasing to be God. It's the power to raise Jesus from the dead. It's the power to forgive you of your sins and give you the possibility of new life. It's the power that allows you to take your, your next breath and have your next heartbeat. It's the power to sustain all of us. We never need to doubt God's power. He can accomplish anything in our lives. We can trust what he can do. But the other thing that Peter highlights as well is not only God's mighty power, but perfect timing as well. In fact, the way that he says it is this, at the proper time. Now, if we're honest, we wish that Peter would have said in our time instead, or he would have said in this lifetime. But the problem is that at the proper time can mean not in our time, not when we want it, because all of us want, want uh, God to act immediately and we want to see it. We want it in our lifetime. But God's perfect timing might not be when we want it and might not be in this lifetime. But be patient. You can trust in God and you can know that he will act at the perfect time. But there's another principle that we need to act upon in order to develop humility in our lives. And it's this, surrender to God the illusion of your control. Surrender to God the illusion of your control. If there's one thing that we are addicted to, especially in our American society, is in wanting to be in control. 
And we fool ourselves thinking that we are in control. Uh, sometimes we're not even in control of the remote control at home, much less of the circumstances of life. And it's simply a global pandemic that's enough to remind us that we're not as in control as we think. That as we're under the impression that, that things are gonna completely fall through if we're not in control, the reality is that it's an illusion in our lives. God, on the other hand, is in control. And here, he's talking about this, this idea of trusting in God, surrendering to God this illusion of our control. Peter says this, casting all your cares on him. Now that verb in the original language, casting, means to completely surrender, to completely give over without holding anything back. It's not simply to give over something, but it's actually more forceful. It's to toss everything and God willingly accepts that that we're giving or we're tossing over to him because he cares about us. And so casting all of our cares on him, that means surrendering. And that's not something that we like to do. It reminds me of a story that I, that I read a while back in regards to a couple, a couple of British mountaineers uh, whose names are Joe Simpson and um, Simon Yates. And here's a picture of Joe Simpson. And this is actually during one of uh, their treks. They became the first two men to scale, to climb the Siula Grand Mountain in the Peruvian Andes. And um, when they, they climbed the west side of this, of this mountain, it became this incredible adventure, but it also became uh, an unfathomable um, nightmare. And during this trek, at one point, both Simon and Joe were separated. And the only thing that held them together was this uh, security line, this lifeline. And Simon Yates was further up the mountain than Joe Simpson. And since they had been separated for such a long time, uh, Simon didn't know if Joe was still alive. They had gone through a series of things that they narrate in, in a book. And by then, Simon felt that the weight of Joe was holding him back. And so he needed to make a painful decision and he decided to cut that lifeline that held them together. Without knowing it, Joe Simpson that was further down and, and um, they couldn't communicate between each other, had a broken leg, several injuries. And when he felt that lifeline that had been cut off, he tried to do as much as he could to continue to climb, but was physically, uh, it was physically impossible for him to continue to make the trek upwards. So he did something that went against mountaineering experience and common sense he decided to climb down. But the problem was that beneath him was this huge, dark and deep crevasse. And as Joe Simpson was climbing down that crevasse, he was asking himself, am I going down to my salvation or to my tomb? Am I gonna find an exit or am I gonna find a painful death? In the end, in the book, Joe Simpson and Simon Yates, both are saved. But it reminds me of the struggle that we also have. That sometimes in order to finally go up, 
we have to choose to first go down. And that's exactly what surrendering means. That's exactly what it means to cast all of our cares on God. See, the thing is that God is there. He knows what you care about and he's willing to take them. The last thing, and I'll be finished with this. The last principle that Peter is gonna give us, the last practical principle that we need to incorporate in order to develop our humility is this. Remember that God cares about you. Remember that God cares about you. See, this is how Peter puts it in 1 Peter 5, 7. Now the entire verse. Casting all your cares on him because the reason is he cares about you. Now, when we're going through a painful life redirection, when we're struggling with something in our lives, the situation itself and our emotions makes us think that God doesn't really care about us, right? Because if he did, he would have already intervened. He would have already done something. Here I am struggling, trying to get ahead, but God is not keeping his part. He's not doing what he needs to do. That can only mean that God doesn't really care about me. And we've all been there. We've all struggled with that. But here's what Peter reminds us, that the situations that we go through is not a symptom of the love that he has for us. God cares about you. He's there. He knows your pain and he loves you. He's with you every step of the way. But sometimes, even in the midst of suffering, there is a purpose. One of my heroes of the faith is Corey Ten Boom. And Corey Ten Boom lived during World War II and had this incredible strong faith along with her family that led her to save many lives of Jews as her family and Corey um, hid all of these Jews from the Nazis as they were being persecuted in their home country of Holland. Now, eventually they were found out and they were all arrested. Uh, Corey's dad, Cornelius, he was taking, taken along with her older brother, Willem, uh, to a prison. And just a few weeks later, Cornelius uh, died. And Willem would eventually die as well from his time in the prison. And Corey and uh, her sister, Betsy, were taken to Ravensbrück concentration camp where Betsy would die as well. And as I've read her story several times, I, I can't help but wonder, how would I react if I was ever placed in a concentration camp? To go through the pain, the suffering, the humiliation of something like that, it's enough to strip anyone of their humanity, even more so their faith. But Corey remained strong in her faith in Jesus. And after she was released from the concentration camp and World War II was over. She would go around and she would give these talks. And during the talks, she would, she would share how she was able to handle all of the pain and suffering and the loss of her family and everything that she went through in that concentration camp. And she would illustrate this through an embroidery. In fact, here's a picture of the embroidery. She would show the back part of the embroidery and all of these threads, when you, when you would look at them, seemed so disorganized, seemed so tangled up, seemed so random. But then she would turn over that, um, that embroidery and reveal the front part. 
and it would reveal this beautiful, this incredible crown. And then she would say this, although the threads of my life have often seemed knotted, I know by faith that on the other side of the embroidery, there is a crown. You might not know why you're going through a painful life redirection today, or you're gonna face one in the near future. Whatever your case is, you can trust God with the front part of the embroidery of life, even when you're only capable of seeing the back part, because he cares about you and he loves you. So what would it be like if we decided to allow humility to be the key to our next redirection in life? It would be a life transforming journey. So why not start today? For some of you, this is the moment where you need to make the decision of trusting in Jesus as your personal savior. For others, you might need just for someone to pray for you or to talk with you. And as a church, we are here to serve you. We have um, this place called the Next Step Center where right now we have guides that are willing to help you make that decision, whatever it is, just remain online and we will help you make the next decision. Pray with me. Father, we thank you because even though our life is interrupted, we understand that you still intervene and you redirect us to a better path. We ask that you help us to incorporate humility in our lives so that that can be the key to a successful life redirection in regards to what you want to accomplish in our lives. We love you and we praise you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.